Open the five bay doors, please, pal. All right, all right, all right. You're gonna need a bigger potion. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Look at the coast. We get together, have a few laughs. <laughs> a movie odyssey with Brad Patel, Gus Trout, and Adam Lucas. I I got shitty lamps, but fancy bulbs. Okay. So, like, most of the lights in our house are, like, LEDs, smart or... LEDs. Yeah, so they can be any color. Like, Oh, that's cool. Um, yeah, and then they're all hooked into, like, my Google Home. Oh. So if you say, like, hey, G-Word, uh, make the lights in the living room 50% brightness and magenta, it will just do that. Like, it's cool. Oh, wow. Just like and the I... uh, the ad with the Lawrence Brothers? Yes, where they do that, just yeah. like that, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, actually, it only listens. My Google Home only listens to the Lawrence Brothers, so I actually yeah. have to call them every time I want to. Well, they're um, not, it's not like they're doing much. Since they're money, not doing anything. No, since money I give plane. them five bucks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I give them five bucks on Venmo, and they're like, "Thanks, man." Well, my summer's over. We started. Oh yeah, that's yeah. Right. We're still doing summer movies here. Which I think we got three left, including it's still tonight's. technically summer, right? Yeah, season. it is the season summer, but I started back and this has been a pretty hectic week. Uh, and it's only Tuesday, so so it seems like he may be able to come back soon. Fingers crossed, we yeah, may do, 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 Gus watch. Do, 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 do. And the latest news is Gus Charles may be joining the podcast again. Yay. <laughs> The crowds cheered in Times Square today as they heard the news broadcast live on Poop Town TV. Um, well, yeah. we're we're excited about that. We're excited to have Gus back. And agreed. So, um, well, all right, I'll do an intro and uh, we'll talk, talk about the movie. Um, hey, gang, Brad Patello here. I'm joined by my good friend Adam Lucas. Today's film, we're still doing summer movies, uh, Fury Road, which I guess is a summer movie, right? I mean, I think I think we wanted to include a re- more recent summer blockbuster. Oh, right. Movie. So it came out kind of, in the summer. That's okay. It yeah. came out in the summer. I mean, it's obviously hot. I don't think they have any other seasons other than summer. And then if yeah. you don't have any seasons, is it summer anymore? Um, or so, is it that surfing movie, The Endless Summer? Who knows? Yeah. This movie is great. I love it, it. It is very, very good. Honestly, like, there's, a, there's maybe like two or three things I would say, like, oh, maybe you should have handled this differently. It's almost perfect. I would, it I said, almost perfect. I said that about the last time I said it on a show was about the first Predator. I think mm-hmm. the, the first Predator is almost perfect. Like you said, just maybe a couple things here and there. But right. only after watching it many times. I've seen this movie a bunch of times. Yeah. Obviously it's eminently rewatchable. Oh, it's so good. Like there's there's so much spectacle and the storytelling is really smart. Like it's a lot mm-hmm. of show don't tell, a lot yeah. of setup and payoff. And all the themes and everything are like the deepest core themes of like humanity yeah you know what i mean but they're done in like the simplest ways but the things that he's talking about are like the biggest things you can talk about yeah so this is uh 2015 the fourth mad max movie george miller um directed all four director of happy feet happy Happy feet Feet one and two and also um babe one and two babe i forgot and, that yeah Dude, and babe people, pig in the city maybe we should uh, do babe pig in the city put that on your list okay <laughs> because because i've heard a bunch of like intelligent people like do you know i think maybe mark mcconville hmm. he's a podcaster maybe it was him there's there's people on podcasts and then i've just run across it multiple times of like these people that are knowledgeable they're educated and they're like babe pig in the city is like a perfect film and i mean like <laughs> That's not just weird to say. Like right? the sound like this, of it is weird. Right. Like the first Babe movie I've seen multiple times and like, it's good. It's it was fun. Like, yeah. It was it's a, fun. It, it's yeah. touching. Yeah. It's um, you feel something and yeah. I mean, George Miller knows how to make a movie, right? Like, yeah, he really yeah, just, he, he has like he natural instincts. And he also, he's like kind of the opposite of Steven Spielberg where Spielberg's 
takes from everybody kind of yeah yeah and then like you know i guess if you the one thing you would say spielberg is like his thing is the the those perfect like multi-shot oneers like those right. oneers that feel like they've been edited together that you um, don't don't notice that you're right that's engineered kind of thing yeah yeah but i mean he does he but a lot of what he does is like take from all the greats and a lot of what he's doing is nods to classic films and you know oh yeah yeah um he's he, he's big into that say like tarantino of kind references of in a different yeah vein, but similar. like a film nerd making a film kind of thing yes yeah. right and george miller is like he he his filmmaking style is like completely cerebral from like his brain like obviously he can't not be influenced by what he's seen yeah but he is very much this visionary style of filmmaker like a terry gilliam or something where they're not trying to ape anything else they're not trying to one up anybody they're trying to create like a thing that they already have in their head yeah the mad max movies kind of set the tone for like how a post-apocalyptic film should look especially the second one the first one is super low budget yes it's it's kind of hard to get through i've i've seen it a few times it's i can't believe it made as much money as it did yeah i mean it made a hundred million dollars back in whatever year that was i mean that's a lot and he only spent like you know less than half a million on it making it so yeah it made if you adjusted for inflation it would have made if profit 350 million dollars dang wow well in profit for a low budget <laughs> film like that's okay. like maybe a record you know yeah i don't i would probably rank that one last i i like them all like all four of them i like a lot of people yeah. would rank beyond thunderdome last i like nah. beyond thunderdome beyond thunderdome is fun there's so it's so quotable oh there's yeah so many iconic things like and i quote that looks. one more than any of them yeah and just the I, look I'll, of I'll it like, and master blaster <laughs> you know i just i love that. the it it knows it's corny too i mean there's yeah. um mm-hmm. and i love tina turner in it and i love the look of it yep um, and all which, the weird little subtle he really is getting better at world building i feel like in that one yeah it's a corny world but it feels <laughs> like the first one feels kind of like just weird australia yeah and it's then, not even it's not even post-apocalyptic it's just like rural australia like, it's kind of at, like yeah on the verge of the apocalypse like society is collapsing breaking down yeah it's in the yes. process of, which is an right. interesting take yeah you know? yeah and it was very much apparently like the first one was very heavily influenced on think he grew up in like canberra or something like that area and it was kind of that like rural culture like not a lot of stuff just long straight roads and there was a big car culture people really into like making the cars go fast and racing and he he knew a bunch of people that died like crashing their cars while he was in like school yeah um so those scenes of like carnage on the highway and everything were very like personal type of thing well there's a lot of one yes in in all these well yes and in the second one he's like that's okay whatever it's society is gone like there's no cops anymore because he's a cop in the first one yeah that's right he is right um and so anyway there's no cops and it's much more of like that post-apocalyptic world much more fleshed out yeah and then by thunderdome it's really like it's that's more of like a a uh self-aware like sci-fi movie but just yeah. you know in a post-apocalyptic setting that he really like he invented like starting with the road warrior yeah. the road warrior really just, set the yeah. tone for what what those movies should look and feel like i feel like you know it's like yeah the, the you know the leather the sort of somewhat steampunky and the cobbled design. together stuff yeah like using everything scraps. is like salvaged yeah like and not hiding it right like yeah. these characters built stuff out of like junk that they found and they made beautiful things. That was the thing you said about the production design in Fury Road is that, well, they're living in a post-apocalyptic world, but they're still going to make beautiful things like, right. you know, they're still going to make art. Like whatever they can make still or whatever they can salvage, they're going to make it into like Furious's steering wheel is like the coolest fucking thing. I ever. know everything like, about I her want... like her arm just the whole yeah. character like it's all the, the they're so fleshed out like nux and max yeah, and her and even all the wives 
And they do it with minimal dialogue too. It's all there's no script. There wasn't a script. Yeah, it was. It, it was starting it at the 3, storyboard. Storyboards. Yeah. yeah, he did write a screenplay, right? To like get the story together. Yeah. But then but, he took that and made storyboards and like finished it. And then yeah. when they were like, on set, they didn't have a screen. The actors didn't have a screenplay to like look at. Well, the he's thinking visually. You know, yeah. he's the visual ideas come to him. I think he's a visual thinker, which is for sure. So, kind of kind good of, for a filmmaker yeah yeah <laughs> and you know he had this this piece of art which is kind of just the whole movie like almost like in the beginning of midsummer there's like that mural that shows the whole movie yeah he, he had a yeah. piece of art kind of like that which was almost a starting these are the main story beats you know and you could right, really he just wanted to make his whole thing is he wanted to make a film that was one chase yeah like the the in in uh road warrior the third act is a chase right but the, in this movie it was the, the what they you know let's take that third act chase and just make it the whole movie right it's, it's the whole movie there's breaks in the action but it's it's so good it's so high octane it's uh yeah. a lot of cuts i think not like sit i'm gonna go big and hot take alert wee-oo, wee-oo. i think that the, like the you're going back in time okay you have to go all the way back to jurassic park for me for a movie that was like as compelling of like a theater experience yeah where i was just like literally sitting on the edge of my seat the whole time yeah um i remember like seeing that in the theater like jurassic park and just right. being like whoa blown away by it like yeah and yeah. i was like 12 yeah so you know even more so but still like this was i mean it if you didn't see it in the theater like you gotta go see if they're like replaying it or go you know what i mean like figure I, something out steal a movie theater steal a movie theater you know what i i didn't see it in the theater I oh have my to, god uh, yeah, Brad! i know i don't know <laughs> yeah, what i don't know vision. what i was thinking but well i i've seen it. everyone's gonna have an 8k tv so like it's basically gonna be the same but i could imagine like because like this last this last viewing i'm watching it with headphones on like big cushy ones yeah and the sound design and the sound mixing yeah. i know they both won academy awards yeah sound design and sound mixing but and they are so yeah. on point like every yep. every aspect of this production is done so well like you could practically teach a class just on... with that film <laughs> like yeah yeah, you, All right, you could today learn we're going to talk about to know. Today we're going to talk about the score and now here's Mad Max yep. Fury Road again. We're going to yeah, look no, at the score. I mean, that's that would be an interesting elective. Brad pitch that to the dean. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. show you could teach him whole, everything Road you need on. to know. Yeah, yep. The storytelling um, just in the first scene, like when when Max gets captured and they show the the logo, the the skull wheel thing yeah you you see the the it's like the iconography of this uh character this uh jim or joe sorry immortan <laughs> what's, what's this immortan joe it's like his logo they're gonna they're getting ready to put a, a brand on him because he's like a universal donor he he escapes and runs through a series of rooms and you get a lot of information there yep in, in that chase like just him run being chased by the war boys through like a mechanics you know workshop and you know all this and then he ends up you know almost falling out of a like a huge there's a huge drop and the logo is carved into the rock that yeah. logo and then he gets pulled back in we see the title card and then the logo is the first thing we see it's branded on furiosa's neck that's the first thing we see of her yeah. So right there, just the use of that iconography, you establish so much. Like, and you the audience understands like what is happening, and it's just so it's just so good. I, I right. So you assume from that the backstory of Furiosa is that she's there like originally unwillingly. Right. Like she was captured in a raid or something, 
and you know forced into servitude and then rose up through the ranks to become um what do they call her um imperator, imperator? i think yeah a grand yeah. imperator yeah um and and she was basically you know like a general kind right. of thing like in his army and um yeah no uh, the visual storytelling in this is like you for it's so good that you don't even think about like no one said anything in like a long time or of, yeah. anything of consequence like just functional dialogue like they wouldn't not say something here so they have to say something type of stuff a lot of um, grunting from a lot uh, of grunting <laughs> and you can't even tell what max is saying most of the time i'm just so, gonna keep saying how good this is uh, <laughs> it is really right. good um okay so the things that this there's my short list of things we need to talk about okay. how how this almost didn't get made and it was an entire nightmare to make yes that, so that's on my list that. that's on my list too yes. okay we got to talk about um how everybody keeps harping on how everything was done practically but there's like a shit ton of digital visual effects in it okay um yeah um, I mean, there's a lot of practical stuff done that they would not have done practically in another movie. But anyway, yeah, I'm not going to get into more, it. That's on the list. Like you, you watch the movie and you assume that most of it's digital, but there is a lot that's practical. There's not quite as much as George Miller later claimed. <laughs> he claims right. that 90% of it's digital. That's pr probably not true because there's 90% definitely... of it's practical. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, no. uh, yeah. He claims 90% of it's practical, but no. no I mean, like, I think nine, maybe 90% of the shots of the cars. Yeah, the cars were all built and they had real stunt performers, obviously. And real and, wrecks know. and real explosions. But they right. like they put in mountains and sky replacement and. Oh, sure. Like stuff. stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Added atmosphere and added fire and added particulate. I wanted to. There's a couple of points I wanted to hit it on. Um some of the uh themes like the well, obviously the blood right um and, and water. then blood and water the boot his boot yeah his boot getting passed around which is like i i feel like it's there's this whole theme of redemption and forgiveness in it which is yeah. kind of subtle but important and i feel mm -hmm. like the the boot comes into play during important points in that arc and then the uh the spray um the the mouth yeah. spray uh -huh. um and just how they tell that story so I, let's start with the production nightmares so yeah <laughs> so yeah originally it was slated for production in like 2002 yeah they they, they had everything ready to go Right. And yeah. then there was like historic rainfall and Namibia looked like the Garden of Eden, apparently, where they where they were wanted to shoot. They that... they yeah, they did end up shooting there in they uh, did. Namibia or how do how what yeah, is it? Namibia. Namibia. Yeah. They did they did end up shooting there. There was historic yeah. rain. I also read that um nine eleven delayed production for some reason. Oh yeah, well that's right. The the first one originally got delayed because of that and then it got delayed again later on because of the rain when they yeah yeah because so everything I, got shut down and travel restrictions and everything yeah. like so it just like blew were, up there yeah they were going to ship the whole production to africa yeah and they couldn't do that post 9 11 for some reason because yeah i guess the restriction yeah because there was like yeah they, it just would have been a nightmare to get everybody over there and and, and be able to make sure that you'd be able to get them back you know, yeah, especially going to like Africa, yeah. you know, and for national security concerns, it's like, oh, well, they're whatever their their security isn't as tight and blah, blah, blah. It's like George Miller's obviously running a terrorist ring. Right. That's <laughs> what he was making this movie for. If you dress anyway. like that, I don't know. I mean, that well, just the, the costumes are fairly his like, films are very like kind of anti authority. <laughs> true. Um. So yeah, he originally conceived the idea in 98. They they did a bunch of pre-production. It got delayed. They put it on the shelf. He left to do Happy Feet 1 and 2. Basically, because he yeah. uh he did Happy Feet 2 while he was like waiting to be able to get back to it. yeah. Yeah. Um and then it it was delayed again like cuz originally um Mel Gibson was going to star in it. Right? And then some stuff happened. Yeah, so depending who you ask i think stories vary some people i mean i think by this point mel gibson was probably too old which is 
George Miller's official explanation of why he was recast. But then also it was right whenever whole, he was screaming about yeah. the Jews and stuff. Well, yeah, the whole sugar tits thing. Like, yeah. That bit. Yeah. So uh but Mel Gibson apparently gave Tom Hardy his blessings, you know, the, to to play the character and I think he does a good job with it, Tom Hardy. Well, I think he's great. And before all of that, Tom Hardy, yeah, is awesome. And George uh, Miller said in an interview, it's like the same when Tom Hardy, he wasn't sure about Tom Hardy. And then when he walked in the room, he's like, I felt the same kind of energy the first time I met Mel Gibson and knew that like it was supposed to be him okay. before he even said anything. And yeah. it was like, you know, it, I, I honestly like it. I think Tom Hardy is a better Mad Max than Mel Gibson. <laughs> Like, Probably. I, think Mel, I mean, it, Mel Gibson does great in in, you know, he's good, but yeah. I, Tom Hardy, his physicality is, I, I don't know, he embodies. He is a well, he's a different Mad Max from the other movies. Like this is Mad Max where his brain is like, kind of broken, and he's like he, living. In he's in ultimate, survival mode, and he's in survival mode, he's, and he's having these visions. Yeah, of like, he's constantly you know, haunted, haunted by his past, like. And it's like in the, to the point where it affects him, like his ability to operate in the real world. Yeah. Yeah. He and gets they, flashes of visions of people. He they, couldn't hinted, save. they talk about that in the other ones, but it's not as like, it's not as like critical to the story or, yeah. or whatever, you know? Um, But anyway. uh, And Heath Ledger was slated to be Mad Max at one point too, but then yes, he, he passed away sadly in 08, yeah. I think so that right around there yeah. yeah and before all of this so before even the first attempt to make it when mel gibson was still on board um what the fuck the thing where he sued warner brothers over oh he was supposed to direct contact yeah that's right yeah and he got fired and robert zemeckis was put on the project and so he sued them for breach of contract and got all the rights to the mad max franchise yeah so this probably never would have happened or at least not like this um because basically nobody could make a George or nobody else could make a Mad Max movie without his blessing at this point. Yeah. So the studio can't really like threaten him to take it away from him if he starts a Mad Max movie. Yeah. That was part which, of the negotiations of like being kicked off contact, which yeah, he, like, I feel like and... contact would have been a better movie too. like. I love contact, but um, there's lots of really good things about contact, but yeah, the, yeah it probably would have been a lot tighter and a lot more visually oriented instead of dialogue. There's well, it's a, very dialogue driven. I was just going to say, it's a little too talky. Like, yeah, there's too much exposition and that was like, the exact like thing that, a lot, so. well, yeah, that's, <laughs> no, it's we're not, on a podcast. So we're on a podcast. We, so we, we can't really complain too much. About talking that. is great. Really? Everyone, <laughs> you should listen to more talking. But like, if you're making a movie, it's visual, right. and, you know. Um, you have to, yes, there's a balance there, obviously. But that like was the exact thing he wanted to do. The direction he wanted to go with Contact is he wanted less exposition. He wanted right. to make it more visual. And the yeah. studio and disagreed. Contact's such an amazing story. But uh, I, I, I would, yeah, I don't know if he could have done it. I mean, I'm sure he could have done it. But I, do, I can't think of how he'd do it. Because so much of it is... Po political contact is like 50 yeah. percent politics there's a lot of politics in there yeah so like how do you do that visually uh, maybe that's you just, true yeah you, you minimize that well yeah you, you would only have, have to... that as, as much as you need and then yeah. you expand everything else which right i mean obviously wouldn't bother me I, I love a political procedural thing as much as the next guy have i gotten through the west wing no i and i never will <laughs> Tom Hardy is cast, Charlize Theron is cast, and that he was originally thinking about doing two different movies. So there's going to be a Furiosa movie, like a separate Furiosa movie. But then he ended up like melding them together. There, there is now. There's, there's now going to be a Furiosa. Two more, except yeah. it, it isn't Warner Brothers is suing him or something. There's still legal battle stuff going on. Oh no! Yeah. Well, they, they, they cut his. They cut his budget and his production schedule at one point too, right? Because, right. yes. But then, but, but then he got it back. Like initially, he was right. he wasn't able to shoot the uh, Citadel stuff, which is that's all shot in Australia, whereas right. the road stuff is shot in N Namibia. 
but he ended up like a rough cut of the movie convinced them to a rough cut of act two convinced them okay we need to give him more money to do the rest of this because yeah um so yeah it was in no. development hell well, for a see, long that time would, and they, he would never have won that battle he would never have won that battle if it wasn't for them firing him from contact true so like yeah. it's the one time that studio execs being total d-bags actually gave us like an almost perfect film yeah. like accidentally in, indirectly indirectly yeah. yeah it's such a weird like it's such a crazy story and just the fact that that he stuck with it that long and then and then that you know how sometimes if you have a an idea in your mind and you're sitting on it and you're going over and over it it's like richard williams and the thief and the cobbler it's like you kind of end up ruining it yeah because um, you're you're doing yeah, too you much you're overworking yeah it. everything yeah, ends up gray yeah it's yeah. like a drawing oh use this in your drawing class okay uh, <laughs> but yeah if you work on something too long then everything ends up smudged and gray and ugh, yeah you know um you just work it to death yeah exactly so yeah so miller has been wrapped up in a lawsuit over fury road since 2017 this is from oh this is from a couple years ago so anyway well they they made it i mean it they it it's was coming out no, I mean they made the movie. It's out. It's oh no, no, I'm saying the other ones, the Wasteland and the Furiosa spinoff. The Furiosa movie is set to come out in 2024. I think they're shooting. Uh, there, there's okay. been uh, pictures of uh, Chris Hemsworth is in it, and they, there were pictures that were leaked of him in his costume, and he's, he's pretty much unrecognizable. And then there's been pictures leaked of uh, Anya Taylor Joy with her head shaved to play furiosa oh, young furiosa yeah so interesting i think charlie they're shooting Stern, fun fact charlie stern had to shave her head three times oh yeah well For four times and stuff and two times she didn't need to yeah she shaved her head and then the shoots got canceled or delayed or whatever oh and no then, <laughs> and then she shaved it for the Namibia shoots. And then, you know, it was like, whatever, how many, it was like a year. Or it was, it was a while before Something the, like that, uh, yeah. the, the reshoots or the Australia shoot. Um, she had to shave it again. So. And then she yeah, had to man. wear, she had to wear a wig for um, once upon a time in the, or what was the, the Western she did with Seth MacFarlane? Like. Oh um, yeah, the one where a piano drops on a guy. Literally, all I remember from that movie. I I never saw it. I'm not a Seth MacFarlane fan, but she was in that. Yeah, that's not even his name. Oh no, that is his name. (laughs) I always think there's a D in there. (laughs) Um, so yeah, it's it's it ended up getting made, but it was a long it was a long hard road. Look out! So there is a lot of practical stuff. Uh, practical versus digital um they did do a, a lot and i gotta give a shout out to uh guy norris the stunt coordinator and the second unit director of this movie because that is the star of the show the second unit stuff and the stunts are really really good and a lot of them are practical like the crashes yep. and the the, the dudes the, the, the dudes on the, on the thing yeah, yeah. there well there's like yeah there's the ones on the swingy bars yeah and then there's there's the doof warrior yeah and, that guy uh, was practical too like his guitar actually shot fire apparently and that's then that's just a thing that already existed that they put in the movie yeah he's like a performer at like burning man and stuff like, yeah yeah but yeah there, you know there's there's digital stuff uh like you said there's digital punch-ups that whole i gotta think that whole like tornado sequences oh mostly yeah digital. No, they, like, so they did that okay they did it really smart, which I, you know, I mean, I guess it makes sense, but they wanted to have the physical cars and everything and they, they but they were static and they had a camera like on a crane and it like moved around the cars and then and they had green screen, you know, set up around the perimeter and it was just cars on dirt. Yes. And, you know, they tried to light them like it, as best they could, how it would be. And then they went in and added the, the wheels spinning and all the dust and everything, but they were just like people sitting in cars that weren't moving going like, you know, um, it's, but it's like, funny to picture that. Right. It's like, that's one of those cheat cheat things that you would be like, I, I don't know. It'd be like, Oh, that wouldn't work. But like, it totally works. Like they, well, totally... I think partially it's the editing too, like the cutting, yes. cutting to the second Best unit stuff. Won an Oscar for that. So yeah, there are, 2700 cuts in this film like 22 cuts per minute on average 
it's crazy it's it's and just... it's so good though too like you're never you're never like wait what just happened you know what i mean with that many cuts you think you'd be like no it never you never not once you never I lose... feel like going back and what re-watching something because i didn't understand what i was supposed to see yeah they they did keep the action center frame most of the time so you could focus on it because they knew they were going to be cutting quickly but yeah. yeah you never you're never confused by what's no. happening everything is so like visually it's all part of it all looks part of the same universe but everything is so visually distinct like everything yeah. has its own identity like the Right, like each car, the so like even farmers. in a sandstorm, you can immediately tell which vehicle it is you're looking at. Or yeah, whatever. and that's yeah. like the success of the production design, partly in the and costume. and the, the the movie being written with storyboards, basically. Yeah, like, you know, yes, are lots of movies intensely storyboarded? Sure, but like, man, so yes, the practical and second unit stuff is just amazing that like the the shot of the war rig where like the shit like gets ripped off of it and the car like nose dives and it's rolling and then like explodes and there's the guy who's like ragdolling like falling yeah like getting blown away and then he hit oh my god it's perfect like, yeah and the the crashes with stuff flying bodies flying and yeah i mean i don't know what's practical and what's digital in that i mean some of those stunt performers if those are real stunt performers doing those like flying away from those yeah that's just these insane falls with tons of debris the the visual like you watch this movie and the first thing you notice is like visual spectacle it's just constantly a barrage of beautiful speaking of like stunt coordinator and everything you know, I was watching, there's a, a few things on YouTube. Um, and there was one where they were talking about how the actors were getting frustrated because like George Miller was like never talking to them because he was with the stunt coordinator most of the time because they were so worried about everything being safe and getting all the shots that they needed. And then he'd be like, okay, they would spend a whole day setting up uh, this complicated thing and they would shoot four seconds yeah. of, of film, you know? Yeah. Or like what they would actually use would they would get a four second shot out of it. And the actors are like, what the fuck is going on? Oh, that's the thing I I wanted to say. The act of the feud between um like Tom the, Hardy and Tom yeah, Hardy was... and Charlie Theron and Tom Hardy and George Miller. Yeah. Um they <laughs> got, got so intense and yeah, Tom nobody Hardy. was getting along. Everybody was frustrated. George Miller was like ignoring the actors. Tom Hardy and Charlie Theron were kind of like so deep in their characters that they like did exactly what happened in the movie where they like hate each other, but begrudgingly come to like admire <laughs> each other, but still like, don't really like each other. Yeah. Um, type it's of thing. Good, and, good for the movie, I guess. Like, yeah. And I mean, like, uh, I mean, two of the best actors of, you know, their era, you know, like Charlie Theron's yeah. been around a lot, you know, a decent amount longer, but like, she's, she's been in some dumb stuff, but it's never been dumb because of her. You know, no, I think she's always pretty good. Yeah, like you even can... Aeon Flux is bad, it's a bad movie, but <laughs> yeah, like, it it's not bad it's because of her. Yeah, right. Like she's she, doing a good job, she does her best. Yeah, yeah, but the just everybody else failed, which sucked because I like love that. For oh, TV. yeah, it was a like, great cartoon. Yeah, yeah, it was. So yeah, yeah, I feel like that made the film better. You know, I I don't yeah, know. I mean, I, what, uh, but you see the finished cut. Which I, I guess the actors all just, you know, Tom Hardy apologized to everyone after seeing the finished cut. Like, yeah, this is amazing. You're a genius. I don't know. Because like Charlize Theron. I apologize for being so myopic. Yeah. Charlize yeah. Theron was confused, too. Like, what well, yeah, is, what is even what happening? On and, like, yeah, he had what... this film running constantly in his head, but he wouldn't communicate with he didn't anybody. have the like, time what? to explain <laughs> yeah. to them. Yeah. Here's what you're doing. This is exactly what you need to do so you don't die. Yeah. And we don't have time to do anything else but explain that to you, you know? Crazy. It's like I said, it's just a miracle that this is not overworked, that that it doesn't feel like. And has has there been any extended version or anything that came out? I don't think so. There was a. There was a black and white version, right? Which I think that would have been 
terrible because the color in this movie is great but well i'm not it wouldn't have been terrible but that would have been a really that would have been a loss for me like i you know yeah i think so too i mean i i the thing is i can't go back in time and see it for the first time in black and white yeah so all i'm gonna be thinking about is like oh i like that better in color oh i like that better in color true really hard to to be like what is it that the black and white is doing that the color didn't and i think honestly his thought process is probably if you simplify the visual right yeah the amount of information that someone is processing you can further intensify what you're doing the kinetic nature of everything and all the cut i mean they knew they were going to be cutting fast and doing all of these crazy yeah you can cut quicker if there's less visual information yeah if there's less stuff to kind of process or like if it just looks real pretty and the sky is amazing you might get distracted by that in a way you know what i mean yeah i can see that but but the color is so good just playing devil's advocate it looks awesome they also uh his most colorful post-apocalyptic movie it's probably maybe the most colorful post-apocalyptic movie true there was also a r and a pg-13 version because just with words well i i'm not sure what was cut but like the the studio wanted it pg-13 but and he had two cuts of it but the r version tested better so they just released it as an r cut i i don't know if they've ever released the pg-13 version i don't know why they would it's weird there's a pg there's a one on ebay that says it's a pg-13 movie but maybe i don't know maybe on the blu-ray there's like a there's like a couple different cuts of it i don't know maybe so some of the themes the the blood is the most obvious one like the setups and payoffs for that and uh there's some really great moments with like reminding us of that because when we get to the end and max has to give furiosa a blood transfusion you you instantly know like you don't you know what i mean it's like oh she's lost blood oh you know what's going to happen next because right. they set it up so well yeah they got the whole uh you know the tattoo on his back universal donor and then mm-hmm. of course half like the whole first act of the movie he's like hooked up to nux via like his veins which is crazy that whole thing is just insane also just the the world building and the the culture that they've created for these characters like Mm -hmm. you get the sense that everybody's got cancer like nux has two tumors that he's named yeah, the war boys are they say they have a half life because they know they're gonna die young. Yeah. So they don't so they know they're gonna die young. So they're the ones that are like picked and cultivated to be his warriors. Be so they're fearless because it's like, well, I'm not gonna live that much longer anyway. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're like the perfect candidates to turn into like psychopathic suicide soldiers. Um, yeah, but the a couple of other ones have like weird lumps on them too, like which is something you don't really notice i mean he 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 points them out and he's got right. little faces drawn on him and he's named right. them like harry and larry or something something yeah my my buds they're trying to kill me or whatever yeah. he said but yeah. like it, you uh, there's a couple other close-ups of different characters and they also have like lumps yep no so like I, I wonder if that's like cancer i wonder if that's just radiation poisoning or if that's like working with the cars too much or um i think it's probably a combination of radiation poisoning and um, just uh, like genetic breakdown. I guess. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, the, true. The gene pool yeah. is probably significantly decreased and yeah. there's no treatment for a lot of stuff. And a lot of things left unchecked will for later manifest as cancer, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. So, um, but I think it's just like, it doesn't really matter or why. It's how they, how Morton Joe has like, used that to his advantage and created this culture of yeah it's a culture these worshiper soldiers it's like a religion yeah you know he's talking about taking them to valhalla right so he (laughs) takes that from the old norse legend but in valhalla you're not like riding horses through fields of wheat and their valhalla you're you've got a fucking bitchin v8 muscle car and you're just tearing down the highway forever yeah Um, which honestly i like better yeah and the whole thing with milk, 
mother's milk mother's milk people it yeah. was it was almost like a little bit reminded me a little bit of clockwork orange and how they use language like they give the oh, character yeah. like a vo- they give the characters their own like vocabulary but they don't right. explain it they just allow you to just you assume, have to like figure you know. it out from context yeah it's like yeah. a version of cockney rhyming slang in, yeah. in in a clockwork orange but it's not you know there's a little bit of russian thrown in there too like in but in this one it's like australian like right backwood, backwoods australian v8 is like some sort of like god yeah or something some sort of deity like presence that they worship like the uh, like they worship a morton joe as like the earthly presence of valhalla right who gets right. to decide who goes and who stays yeah. but then there's also this idea of like the vehicle the engine itself is like divine like, and they do um, like a little they do like a little gesture yeah they all like where it's, yeah put the, their they're like praying to the engine god or something yeah like there's a god of cars like it's just fast and the furious was just left to its own devices to just go as far as it would go they would end up as war boys yes um but good um yeah the war boys culture is very seems very real do you know what i mean yeah. and, and it's, it's like it's not unlike things that we see in our own lives you know people yeah are, it's just like heightened a little bit like yep and you it understand crazy, it like but, there's but no there's no like point of view character in this either it's like you don't have a character who's like learning things for the first time like everyone right. everyone in the movie already lives in this universe and you're just kind of left to I sort mean, of Max... figure things out Max doesn't know what's going on. Well, he's our he's through. Captured. He is our but, through line for the the conflict that's happening. Like, right, the world itself. Like, he's yeah. Um, but I think I think all of this, Morton Joe and the War Boys. I think that's all new to him. I don't think that. Yeah. I think he is because he's traveled. You know, he's traveled thousands of miles across open desert and stuff, and it, it, he's he's he sees there's like civilization there and he's stopped at the top of this hill at the beginning of the movie saying his insane monologue uh in his head eating he a two-headed, two-headed lizard, lizard. Yeah. yeah um that's great and and you see that like the tires are like filled with like leaves and rope and yeah trash you know because they can't they won't can't stay inflated just all the like detail and stuff that you see in there it's like everything has deteriorated even further since thunderdome and now he's in a whole new like foreign place to him and then he's just immediately captured and thrown into this you know thing where he's trying to figure everything out yeah um, but like you said he to, it's his old hat for it like there's probably a bunch of shit that happened to him since thunderdome that we didn't see you know what i mean or is this even the same mad max doesn't matter i don't know well, I think George Miller has said it's the same character in the same timeline, sure. but um, but it's like there's I don't think it really matters. People have speculated that it's like the feral boy, the grown up version of the feral boy, but yeah. I think I think that's just a fan theory. I don't, yeah, I don't think that's there real. are some wacky theories about this. Yeah. So the spray, I wanted to mention. Yeah. Just yeah. The, so what do you think that is? Well, I think it's like a drug. Yeah, it's like, like methamphetamine. Yeah, or like PCP it's like, it's or something. Like, yeah, it's like um NOS for humans. Right. So some sort of speed. It's exactly. probably trucker speed. Yeah. But like just the uh the ritual, which is established, yeah. like how well all this stuff is established. You get the scene like early in the film, early in act one, the chase is like just started. And there's like one guy who like gets pierced by a bunch of they're they're fighting the buzzards, which yeah. that that's a great design too, like the buzzard. Oh yeah, those spiky um, yeah. VW bugs. So there's a great scene. He he gets pierced by a bunch of like arrows or something, and he's gonna yeah, die. like crossbow bolts and stuff. Yeah. And then the like the music drops out, and ever right. there's they make a point yeah. to have all the characters look at this guy, and yeah. he he goes. He says, witness me. And he sprays the thing. And then he jumps with the they, two They have these bombs. like grenades on spears. Yeah. And, <laughs> and, and it slow goes into slow motion. I mean, I think that's the first time like that when Mad Max gets captured and the whole chase inside and everything is cool. 
But like that scene where he jumps with two handed, you know, bomb spears into that thing and it blows up and like flips forward. And like, that's when you're like, holy shit, this might be the coolest movie I've ever seen. But that's like a setup, too. It's like it's cool to look at its action and it's like a cool stunt and everything. But they're also setting up something that'll pay off later because we see they set up that like that, too, by when they're talking about. You know, when Nux is like, he's all sick and stuff because he has cancer. Yeah. So he needs a top up. He says he needs a top up and and they hook him up to, you know, Max and his like co-driver goes and gets they keep all their steering wheels on this like altar where they right. worship, you know, V8, I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, Because they all do that V8 thing with their hands before they take their wheel and. He's there tied to Max, you know, with the with the IV and he and he grabs him and he's like, where do you think you're going? And he's like, you can't drive, you know, and he's like my wheel, you know, my ride, my wheel. And then like fights him and like headbutts him yeah. and says, you know, like, I, yeah, I got this crazy ass dude's blood in my veins. Um, and the guy's like, OK, like he kind of backs down. But then he's talking about Valhalla and they'll be all shiny and chrome. Like yeah. They mentioned that like it just. And it's like, oh, of course, like they set it up so that that doesn't feel weird at all. That right. the guy does that. It's like, oh, well, of course. Okay. Yeah. That makes total sense in the universe. Makes total sense. Yeah. And then later Nux thinks he's going to make the ultimate sacrifice and, right. and die, you know, helping a Morton Joe. Yeah. And he totally fucks up. So now he's got a silver. It's like probably the worst thing that could happen to a war boy. Mediocre. And, right. Yeah. That's what, right. If, if a, Mediocre. If a, if yeah. they approve it's witness but if they yeah. don't approve it's mediocre how fast do you think those cars could really go like what in it, real life well just or in, in this movie? no in this universe like i know they're spitting gas into the engine and all that but like right what um, do you think the top speed is for the rig the rig i would say would be i mean because of it's all old shit like refit like fixed and cobbled together and everything i would say it would be lucky to go 40 miles an hour i was gonna say something like that like 40, yeah because 45 tractor trailer maybe. an old peterbilt tractor trailer this today can barely go 70 you know? and it's like with, with they're not on trailer. pavement either they're they're no. driving through sand right and, and like and... the it, they have bigger tires on the thing they have all this other armor and shit strapped to it yeah. But yeah, I don't think the war rig can go that fast. That's why they keep getting caught, right? Obviously, yeah. the smaller vehicles can catch up. And that's why the war rig's so heavily armored and everything. But I mean, even the other cars, I would I would guess that they can't go that much faster, you know, maybe yeah. 10 miles an hour faster or something. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think anybody's going 60. I think it's like no. 50 maybe miles and their maybe. bike guys could go a little bit faster. The guys on yeah. the bikes could go a little faster, but true. Um, but yeah, like uh and when you when you watch car chases and stuff, like you don't really have to be going that fast to make it look fast. It's all on how True. it's shot and yeah. edited. Like they're probably going like 35, 30 yeah. in a lot of this. So yeah, it, this movie works because, because it's so simple. Like the story is exceptionally simple. It doesn't hold your hand. Like it just throws you into this world. And the storytelling, the visual storytelling is so good. And beyond just the spectacle of the stunts and all that which is great and like you watch this movie and you can't help but notice that but it is real there's a lot of really great themes and just a lot of really great visual storytelling so i i highly recommend that you watch fury road if you haven't seen it yeah you definitely you definitely have to watch it um i guess i have to steal a movie theater for brad now because yeah other people too so i want to see it in the theater Walk the walk, talk the talk. Um, uh, I'm trying to see if there's anything. Well, like the the day for night in this is very. Yeah, that's right. There's good. day for night. They th- yeah they did that and it worked. Yeah, it's that's another good. one of those color moments where it's like, it's all yes. blue and then you see the red light on the one guy and. Yeah, well, um. Let's do uh, a segment that we call, what are you watching? Well, I've got, um, we watched a three-part documentary on Netflix about um, Woodstock 99. It's called oh, yeah. Trainwreck. I the, yeah, I didn't watch that one yet. Is that one good? Because there was like a one-part film that came out a couple years ago. Yeah, I didn't see that. Um, okay. 
I liked it. I mean, it was riveting, you know, yeah. just the the story of it. Because like, I didn't was fucked up. I didn't realize I didn't know what happened. Was. Like I, right. I wasn't there. I was living on the West Coast at the time. So it was like Oh, I was living on the West Coast. <laughs> yes. I was, was perfect. <laughs> I was working in animation. Anyway, yeah, it's crazy. Anyway. Like they they didn't let anyone bring in water so they could charge people four bucks a bottle. Just which insanity. Um okay. so they took everyone's water. They they were initially charging four dollars a bottle, and then like by Sunday they were charging twelve dollars a bottle for water. And uh, hey, there, there so was Morton Joe ran Woodstock '99. <laughs> basically, the the promoters took no responsibility. Like you see interviews with them, and you're just like, you're a fucking idiot. Like this old hippie who had run the previous Woodstock. He's just like, eh, things went a little sour, I guess. It's like he has no as i sat in my rv and like smoked weed and watched the muppets yeah it was just like he had no concept of like how bad it was he was just like "Eh." it was real bad people were getting like raped yeah there were lots of there's sexual assaults a couple people died in the chaos um they just started lighting everything on fire yeah they burned the whole thing down at the end of the and they kind of built up to it i mean obviously that's what yeah you know, that's what the third episode was about. The first two were kind of more build up and like backstory. And I'm not sure it needed to be as long as it was. Um, sure. But I, you know, we watched it and uh, we, you know, it was fine. Um, you know, we watched it and it was. Yeah. yeah. I also started on, uh, I, I knew they were doing this, but I didn't realize it was out. Chucky. The, the Oh, was, yeah. <laughs> it's, I like it. Um, I've I'm only a couple episodes in. Um, it's Don Mancini. That guy has been with the series since the beginning. The entire franchise has been one continuous, unbroken timeline, with the exception of the reboot, which wasn't him. Okay, um, that's what I was gonna say. Like I, that one wasn't, but yeah, yeah, that wasn't isn't part of the canon. So it's almost as as tight as Sleepaway Camp. Yeah, basically that this whole Don Don Mancini's whole career has been Chucky. He's directed most of the movies. He's written all of them. And they they they've been really like fluctuating in like quality and tone like they from Budget. slapstick, yeah. Yeah. But I think the last couple of movies were actually pretty yeah, I'm not going to lie. I've kind of lost track of the whole Child's yeah. Play franchise, but uh I'm I'm a kind of a low key sort of maybe not low key. It's a guilty pleasure of mine. I like Chucky. No, I I mean I, I get it. it. It's it is a cool. It's a it is a fun and funny device. He's got. And it's also impressive at how scary it can be too. You yeah, know what I mean? yeah, yeah. There's. I mean, he, I, I maybe not impressive, but it is like it kind it kind of surprises me every Chucky film I've watched. About like there are parts where I'm legitimately like this is creepy as fuck. <laughs> like, I know, you know. Yeah, the anyway. good good animatronic work, obviously, yeah. and um, you know, the, all the actors like Brad Dorif has been the voice of Chucky since the beginning, since the first movie, and I guess Jennifer Tilly's in it too, but I haven't seen her show up yet because she's been in all okay. the movies too since since Bride yeah. of Chucky, right? So. I think I think that might be the last one that I saw. Yeah, so there's Bride, there's Child's Play 1, 2, and 3. There's Bride, Seed. And there's one that I can't think of the name. I it, Oh, um, Curse of Chucky. That's what it is. Curse, Curse of Chucky and then Cult of Chucky. And then it goes into the series. The timeline continues. And uh, the same actors have been in it. The same people have been working on it. It's... It's you got to kind of admire that it's, part of yeah, it. Yeah, like, it's a good it's, gig if you can get it that they yeah. just keep it going and that that's obviously profitable enough. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, maybe I'll have to watch it. Maybe I'll have to go back. So you're saying Seed of Chucky was not very good. Seed of Chucky was probably the worst one. Maybe okay. there's Ch- Child's Play three and Seed were probably the two worst. Yeah. Um, I would probably skip Seed, although the seed of chucky does have um his you know it's his son obviously and yeah his son is played by um pippin whoever the actor was who played pippin in the lord of the rings yeah i can't think of his 
Philip Boyd or something Boyd, uh, Billy Boyd, maybe. I don't know. But Billy Boyd Floyd. Yeah. S- something like that. And it's very obviously him. Oh, also, um, uh, Devin Sawa plays two characters in the show. So there's, <laughs> there's that. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Oh, well, Ra- if well, Rachel finds that out, she's definitely she's going to watch for sure. <laughs> OK, she's going to have some flashbacks. Um, well, that's all I got. Just the all right. Chucky and um, the Chucky Woods- and Woodstock what? 99 thing. That was... What was it called? The so Chucky. Sh- oh, it's oh, called sorry, uh, train wreck. Train wreck. Okay. Well, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, thanks, Limp Biscuit. Yeah. The, a lot There's of people a whole blamed th- them for right know. that they leaned heavily into that in that film that I watched. Like, there's a movie yeah. that came out. I don't know, a year, two years, three years. Time is nonsense anyway. But um, where they basically like, yeah, said like Limp Biscuit like knew what they were doing. Like Fred Durst knew what he was doing and like should have stopped the show. But like. Yeah, he was like, like also kind of like rallying the crowd. See what was going out on out there? And, Plus, you know. it's Limp Biscuit. It's like that's kind of their thing. They literally like, have a song it's... called "Break Stuff." So yeah, like, it's like... but it was kind of the culmination of like shitty bro culture, right? Like Limp Biscuit yeah. playing while a bunch of shitty bros like burnt down what was supposed to be a recreation of a festival of peace and love that went like surprisingly well despite all the odds. Uh... Well, plus it was like they weren't as greedy like no in they the original the original woodstock they, yeah they like prioritized like safety and like taking <laughs> right. care of everybody over money in the, in woodstock right. 99 it was just money like that yeah they're like let's have it in an abandoned like military base parking lot right and charge everybody 12 dollars <laughs> for water no, no one will die no, no shade die yeah there's no, no, no shade. green space to Pitch no. your tent on. Even though when the sun goes down, the 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 pavement is going to be radiating heat well into the yeah. night. It's not going to drop below ninety five degrees the entire time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like again. I think there's a, there's another allegory there about capitalism. Uh, there is. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, it's not an yeah. allegory. That's an actual like that's example. Ju- that's just straight up. <laughs> just a straight up it's example not, yeah. of <laughs> shitty capitalist assholes. Um. Well, so I watched um, some sh- things. Oh, I well, let's start with I watched Jurassic World Dominion. Oh, okay. How was that? Not I good. Mean, I There's no way it's good, right? No, it's not good. Um, it it's so weird. It's hard for me. I think I need to watch it like again. Like it's bad. But it's like they're trying to cram so much stuff into it and they're like hopping all around the globe and then all of the classic characters like show up. Yeah. And um is there like locusts in it at one point too? Yeah, like giant ones. Like I heard about it. Like, from like the you know, dinosaur and, times. And Henry Wu is involved again, like yep. with the yep. Yeah. Okay. Uh I might have to watch it just for that. Just for you the You should locusts. watch it because there is some things in it where you're like some of the some of the ideas had it been in a better movie are like oh shit that's a good like that's like an interesting and surprising thing okay but then there's the whole rest of the movie um <laughs> i mean if you know if if uh jurassic world what was the last one evolutions or whatever wasn't bad enough for you that um, one i hated that movie that second yeah. one that yeah the second jurassic world one yeah the first jurassic world was like okay okay not great okay not great like they're they had they had kind of the they had it had a five percent of the juice right of of a jurassic you know park movie like the the kids being funny and like they they were you could tell they were trying to do jurassic park stuff right and these ones it's just kind of like they don't know what the shit they got they're trying to do everything you know it's yeah (laughs) I'm going to check it out for sure. I mean, you should. I just had, I just have to, because like Jurassic Park is one of my favorite movies ever. So it's just like, I just have to watch anything associated with it. Yeah. That I know it's It's dinosaurs. Comes out. Yeah. And there's dinosaurs doing crazy shit and some of the effects and stuff are cool. And there's some like action, you know, set pieces that are fun ish, you know? Okay. I made it through it. It's not short. That's higher praise than I've heard from anyone about that movie 
Yeah, I, I mean, again, all the reviews I've seen have just been like, this is terrible. It is very bad, but yeah. also like I want to watch. I would watch. I would watch an infinite number of terrible Jurassic Park movies. I, I just couldn't. Yeah. I wouldn't be able to help myself. You know. I do like bad movies, so. And I again, mean, when yeah. there are dinosaurs involved, come on. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, my name is Brad Patello. Find me on Instagram at Brad Patello. Uh, Adam is Renaissance Grunt, and Gus is Mr. Trouth. We'll hopefully be seeing him again soon. Uh, we wish him well. Email us, a movieodyssey.podcast at gmail.com. And thank you for listening to our podcast. Today.